All right, guys, I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Spring Legion Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Hunter Ferrier. Today, joined by Austin Seals with the co-host, and then also with Chase Ferrier. Um, he was on episode two, I think. I think so. Yeah. He was on episode two, if you haven't checked that out, and we kind of uh, talked about our different styles of turkey hunting. Uh, just a quick introduction. He is my middle brother. Um and uh and and just the gist of that episode that we did earlier in the year was um we've hunted together all of our life uh but at the same time we hunt very differently and uh, we kind of went through those differences and and then the similarities as well so he's in here today just to kind of change it up a little bit and um wanted to get a few things out of the way that um well first off Y'all can thank them for this podcast because I was not really feeling it today. So I want to thank them for being here and, and making me uh, suck it up and, and get one out. But but been working on the book, been finding out the hard way that um, there's a lot more to this than I originally thought. It's, um, it's a process for sure, but still shooting to get it out, uh, I'd say, late January. Um got, got to get the cover and, and the formatting and, and all that good stuff and editing and grammatical errors and stuff that I didn't that I, I'd say I underestimated a little bit when it comes to uh when it comes to uh the, the length of time that it actually takes to get it out and get it done right but but uh as, as of now I'd say the uh the plan is to get it out on um the last week of January hopefully a little sooner if it is I'll, I'll be sure to let y'all know and once I once I'm able to get a, a solid date uh one that I'm pretty confident it's going to be attainable and and um and everything's going to work work well um gonna uh gonna let y'all know the specific date gonna probably sell it on amazon um probably only amazon for the first uh few weeks i'd say and um and we'll have some links and stuff for y'all to for y'all to go to to buy it there um talked a little bit about it um on our instagram page if you haven't seen that the title is uh, Ballad of a Turkey Hunter, and I think with the format we're going to use, it's going to be around right at 100 pages, anywhere from like 96 to 102, so a good rough estimate on the 100 pages. Pretty pretty short read, quick read. Um, like Seal said last uh, last week, it's, it's kind of all over the place. Each chapter kind of has its own introduction and conclusion, um, so it's... it's um, good to you know just open up and, and read a chapter here and there you don't have to read the first chapter to get the third chapter but um but when we when we do launch it on amazon that that, that first week is going to be the it's, it's it's not really in it for profit we're just going to try to get some get a turkey hunting book out there for y'all to read before the before the season starts so it's going to be priced as low as it as it ever will be i'm sure um for that first uh that first week maybe two weeks probably only one um and if you uh, if you want to get a, a heads up on it, we have a little link in our website at springlegion.com. Uh, I think it's uh, yeah, it's on the homepage. You can you can click it. It's just a contact form. Fill it out. Just type yes or just really anything into the box into the uh, into the uh, the body I guess of the message box, and uh, that'll kind of put you on a on a list to get a an update when it is uh, when it is available to purchase and. I promise you we do not have enough time to send out spam and irrelevant reminders via email. So don't worry about that because this will be the only one we send you probably. Um, 
but wanted to give you all an update on that. Let you know that we're working on getting that out as quick as we can. And looking forward to it. We got a few proof copies and definitely had to do a little revising to them before we uh before we get it out. So that's the that's where we're at on that. Um I think uh you don't have any facts today. You got some questions over there, Seals? Yeah, I got some questions that people have sent on Instagram. Um just want to know our opinion. The first one is what do you do when a gobbler hangs up and he's out of gun range? Like a, I guess we can't ask for details. <laughs> I was gonna say like a fifty yards or like a hundred yards or. Who? Let's see. I would assume it's anywhere out of range. Mm -hmm. Where you, they didn't specify if it was out of range based on distance or based on structures between mm -hmm. structures. Yeah. I'm, I'm first thing that comes to my mind is that notorious like ninety yards. You know, just where he's 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 close enough where he knows that that hen should be. Walking towards him, um, or at least in sight. Yeah, or just it depends. I guess if he has hands with him, um, I might I might approach it a little different. How vocal they are, and just to me, I know we've gone over it a couple of times in prior episodes, but I I waited out as much as I harped on the the curiosity style and um, and moving around and repositioning and stuff. I'd give it a a good at least 30 minutes of him being hung up right there before, you know, I'd, I'd try to induce silence, um, get him really fired up for a little while, hit him with some 12-minute silence, just nothing. And then after that, I'd probably go to the, the, the scratching or the moving around repositioning, might move towards him, might move backwards. But um, but I'd say check his temp and see what it is. And if he's, if he's responding three or four times in between my calls. I know he's he's interested. He might not want to move or, you know, something's keeping him over there. But I know as, as long as I know I'm in his mind, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and, and wait it out until I feel, I feel like it's, it's now or never. Yeah, and if you do move back on him, like you just mentioned, make sure it's not an ant bed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, make sure they're not already closing the ground on him before you, yeah, uh, make sure before you head back there to call like a turkey's walking away and they're already coming anyway. <laughs> what about you? Um, pretty much the scenario I think of is is very similar to that that turkey I I killed this year this mm -hmm. past season. Um, ended up hunting him for you know, two hours and he was hung in the same spot. Um, just where I couldn't see him, he was on a ridge. Um, and pretty much just had to to pour the calls to him a little bit more than I normally would. Um, he he wasn't answering certain calls, so I I swapped up calls on him. Yeah. Um, had to start pulling out calls that I hadn't used in two years, and but it made him gobble. And uh, once I got him to double gobble once or twice, I hushed. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't 20, 30 minutes I heard his footsteps on the other side of that 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 knoll I was on. And that's when I, I, I called again. Mm -hmm. And he, he he just peeked over, and that's, that's when I killed him. Mm -hmm. So... Um, just kind of depends on the on the on the situation on the terrain mainly, but uh, well, that and also Hunter touched on the turkey temp. You got you you've got to be able to judge if that turkey's hot, if that turkey's kind of yeah. being passive. If you want right. to, some scenarios you may want to try to get the hens to work to you, where the turkey mm -hmm. or the gobbler will follow you. But some scenarios, like you just said, patience wins. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of depends on the the temp of the turkey. But yeah, I mean, if he's a gobbling turkey that that goes quiet. 
that's when you're when I pour it to him. Um, depending if if I think he's walking or if I think he's occupied. Yeah, if I if I think he's if he, I use I mean I don't have any set rule. You know I just kind of go with the flow. But but if he, if he goes a good five minutes and I'm assuming he's breathing hand or breathing hand or walking somewhere, he might not be walking to me, but he's he's doing something where he's not just sitting there strutting and gobbling. I'll, I'll shut up for a little while and just give it a break, and then sometimes I'll sit and kind of based off his last response. Sometimes I'll wait until he gobbles again um, right. before I even think about touching the call. And sometimes I know I got to call loud, fast, twice with this call, some with this call to get him to gobble. And um, the the a bird that comes to my mind, the longest I've sat there on a bird that was hung up, and I mean would not budge and would respond to everything. But but when I take a step closer, he ended up being on the edge of a cutter that I didn't know was there. Um, I had never hunted there before by myself. It was, it was years ago, but but um, I remember looking at the map and it you know it was just woods and I'm thinking you know there's no ditches, there's no creeks, there's nothing. But come to find out, they cut the cut the timber on it and it was you know it was a cutter. He was on the edge of that cutter, gobbling in the woods that I was in, and I had no idea. And um, I think. I think at 11.30, I finally got up and started gaining ground on him. And um, it was real windy, and he he would gobble. So I couldn't tell if he was moving or if the wind was shifting or if he was just kind of muffling my, my sound. Um, but I got out this really high-pitched uh, glass pot call and got to just wailing on it. And he couldn't, he, I mean, he couldn't catch his breath in between them. And he sat there and gobbled. And from about 8.30 to 11.30 at that exact spot without moving. I tried to silence, and he'd just sit there and just hammer at me. And then finally I said, all right, this is enough. Something's, something's got to give, and I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I got up and started moving towards him and ended up getting about 75 yards from him. When I was moving, of course, I wasn't calling when I was moving. I didn't want him to you know, also gain ground towards the call. I wanted him to almost walk towards where I last was. And I got there and saw that it was a cutover, and I was thinking, oh, okay, this is makes a lot of sense. I was able to get on the on the kind of the adjacent corner to it. He, I called one time. He turned around and went, all right, <laughs> made it, cut that corner real quick and shot him about thirty five yards. Yeah, that's a that's a topic you just got to kind of judge on the situation. But the next one is, is when you have a turkey answering your call, how often do you call to it? I'll go out and say on this my style of hunting is somewhat of more of a patient style Mm -hmm. so if I get a if I get a turkey to answer me twice at the most three times I I sit there and just stop calling and make Mm -hmm. him come look for me and if he gobbles on his own three or four more times looking for me I throw a couple of soft yelps at him and maybe a purr here or mm-hmm. whatever, right. but for the most part, if I get a turkey answering me and I know he's making his way towards me, I won't say any, I won't say anything else. Mm-hmm. I want him to come in looking for me. I don't want him to be able to get close and pinpoint my exact location. Yeah. I want him coming towards the call, but looking for me at the same time. Right. Right. Mm. So, so you're asking if he was answering, I mean, I'm guessing consistently. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. that is one thing he said is that the turkey is 
constantly answering you okay. every time you call. How often do yeah. you call? Ooh, I, that's one of those things. You, to me, the first thing I would do is verify's got one at you kind of deal. You know, make sure he's not just one of those. If, if you shut up and he just steadily just keeps gobbling right. every little thing. Is he really kind of intrigued or is he just, you know, having a good morning kind of deal? Um, but if he's one of those that is double gobbling, tripling gobbling every time you touch a call, I I almost try to get a little fired up period there where he's just, you know, 90 to nothing, gobbling back and forth, cutting and stuff, and then just, just go silent for a little while. Sometimes that'll make him kind of, you know, move towards you and I think a lot of times it's going to take doing that at least twice I think the first time he's assuming you're moving towards him and you almost have to call again to let him know that you didn't move towards him that you're still in the same spot or if you moved it it, it ain't you're not headed his way and then a lot of times on that second time when you go silent again he, he knows that that doesn't necessarily mean that you're moving towards him um, but again I'm one of one of those guys that it depends. Um, it just depends on the hands he's with if they're if they're vocal too. Um, and it depends can be an answer to, to yeah. To that's about any situation. Like that's my answer to everything. But yeah, and I mean, I I, I can almost agree with Hunter there. Um, it, it 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 really does depend on the turkey, in my opinion. Um, I mean, if 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 he's one hundred percent responding to me. And not just any and every other noise he hears. Um, that's when I'll go silent. But if 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 he's just gobbling to gobble at every and anything, that that's when I want to fire him up a little bit, give mm-hmm. him give him a little more call than than I normally would, and then confirm you know get to where I can I'm positive he's he's calling. I mean he's gobbling at me, and that's when I go silent for probably no more than 10 minutes and then I'll do a, a soft, soft yelp to see where he's at and if he responds to me. If he doesn't respond, may hit it with a cut or something, mm-hmm. kind of a louder call because he may be walking or maybe in a in a ditch or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, you know, you never know. It all depends on terrain kind of. I mean, that's, that's why, I mean. Yeah, I have, I have one, not this past year, year before last, one I killed in the rain. Um, he, it was a, I mean, it was a good morning. Uh, it was raining too, and he was hammering. Um, I ended up setting up on him on the roost, and uh, and that's kind of something I touched on in the woodsmanship chapter of that book. I like, I don't, you know, just love going hunting in the rain, but I really kind of look forward to it every now and then, especially in you know, heavily hunted areas. You kind of get the range to the whole huntable acreage there but um but you got to think if, if he's sure enough fired up especially if it's the second day in a rose rain and and the day before that might have been a little slow breeding wise um if it if just with the pitter patter the the rain you know on the canopy and everything it's hard for them to hear and if you can get if you can get close enough to where they can hear your calls i mean you might have to you know kind of just resort to mouth calls or something so you don't waterlog everything else yeah. but uh but if you can if you can get him to respond to that a couple times, you might be the only hen he hears that morning, and he's gonna kind of act like it. But I remember he he was responding really well, and he flew down not where I thought he was gonna fly down. He flew down, not the opposite, but he 
Well, I'm just going to. So I set up to kind of put this bend in a road about 30 yards in front of me. And I remember before I sat down, I said, well, what if he does come behind me, what's my, you know, in the back of my head so I don't have to turn around and look when he does start circling. I kind of have a visual, just kind of take a screenshot in my mind of what's behind me. So if I do have to move, I at least know which side of the tree to rotate to, I guess you'd say. And I remember looking back there and there was a, a big, I don't know, some big shrub looking thing, a big bush kind of treetop or something. There was about seven yards behind me and I thought, well, if he does circle, it's gonna get real personal. Um, and of course, that's exactly what he did. He, he flew down and it would, would have been so much easier to come the way that I set up on. It was just a, a quick, you know, wide open walk to, to come around this bend in this road. But nope, he went through this thicket to the right, all the way down, he, he, he went away about 55 yards past what you know i would have thought he would have but then um but and he still answered me the whole way and then i had to sit there and get you know getting refired up i guess you'd say i don't think there was hens there either he knew that there were hens on the other side or he just you know that he could hear or um or he you know that was just kind of part of his, he just knew that that's where they you know had usually been headed towards and um, I had to get him kind of just kind of light the fire again and got him, you know, double gobbling a couple of times and I almost had to keep it up to get him to come back in. He, he ended up just kind of, he made his little way and then stopped and then he came back down the opposite way and about hit his head on my gun barrel. <laughs> he came up right behind me. But luckily, you know, I had turned around by the end, so. You got anything to add to that, Chase? Only, only thing I could add to that would be the... When when you said he you had to light the fire again, mm-hmm. um, he had, he had, I I think he was still interested, but he was almost kind of I call him courtesy. I was like, yeah, I hear you. Come on, if you're coming, you know. Right. He's headed to where he usually is, or he where he knows there was hens. Like I said, I don't. I'd be surprised if he could hear anything. It was raining, you know. Right. I I would think I would be the closest one, or I would have at least have been able to hear him too. But I'm usually wrong in that scenario. <laughs> so um, he was he was kind of. He was either making a really big loop that seemed really unnecessary from the route I thought he would take, or he was headed somewhere, and I had to sit there and just tell him, "No, I'm not. I'm not coming with you. You can turn around now." Or, and and he kind of did, but it, it took a it took a lot of calling to get him in. You know, and if I think if I would have remained silent, I think he'd have chucked on. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd add to that would be some turkeys do just require, yeah. you know, you talking to them the whole time, mm-hmm. talking them into it you know they they just have a quick mindset and they're they're on a mission somewhere else and you've got to keep them mm-hmm. knowing exactly what they, that you're you're sitting here and you're staying here and and you just guess that'd be the temperature of the bird I, mm-hmm. I would i would say um but yeah sometimes you just gotta check their distance um yeah you know and and if if he gobbles once or twice and responds to you but it doesn't you don't feel like he's coming it was that second yeah. gobble's a little bit closer than that last one because i mean it may be five yards you, you i mean sometimes if you're in there long enough you can tell you know when they're yeah. facing you and when they're facing away from you you know which may be interested versus not so i mean it, it all depends to me that's that's a it depends and, th- and this answer one from me I and think. that's the thing he never he never hung up like that that first question whoever asked that the bird on that first question was hung up 
and I knew he was hung up, and he he was not budging, and I right. you know I made a move, and was able to get on. I, I I didn't walk past him, but I walked. I kind of did what that turkey did to me. I went around him, got to where I I kind of got eyes on the, you know he was in a cutover, and was able to make two calls, versus the four hours of calls I was doing there that wasn't doing anything. I made two calls, and he walked straight to me. Right. That one was I I don't think he was I think he was headed out of there. I think he was going somewhere else. Um, I thought I you know. I, Kind of had it in the bag by getting close to him on the roost when it was raining, and I, th- I think he had other plans. And I think if I'd have been quiet, I don't. He might not have. Yeah, that's, that's like Chase said. It, that that answer there depends on the temperature of the bird. Mm-hmm. You, you can't the the same scenario very rarely is going to happen right. over and over again. Something different. Something will change every time. So. That that's just a question that you'll have. I mean, you can answer yourself with time. Spend that spent hunting. Oh yeah, I mean that that'll come. All right, what are some factors to think about when you're setting up on a gobbling turkey? Hmm. Structure and and lanes, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess would be the right word for it. Um, that's what I am, at least. I mean, I'm liking that that curiosity versus persuasion. Also, chapter in here. Um, that's the first thing that's in my mind is where can I position myself around within uh, you know a shooting range 30 35 yards of a, a structural barrier like I was like I was just talking about I had a I had a bend in the road ahead of me about 30 yards and I, and I had to check to see if he does circle me what's what's the barrier behind me if it's wide open I might need to you know get on the other side of the bend of the road where I can still use that one and then you know have, maybe have a different a different uh, option behind me or to the left or right but um i'm not the one that sits down where it looks pretty and it's just you know you're in the wide open it looks like you're in a, a sanctuary and he you, you watch him come in for 100 yards which is awesome i love doing that but it's just kind of the first in my mind is where can i get where there's it don't matter if it's just a ditch or something where he has to kind of come to or around or to look or a, a kind of peek his head up over a ridge to look down on the bottom that I'm at, I'll get right on the other side of it where he has to kind of just, you know, just periscope his head right up just, you know, quick enough to kind of get a good glance at him. I'm I'm with you on the roads trying to set yourself on a bend of a road or something. And another thing is I like to find where I actually sit down the dark spot. Yeah. The the most the spot with the biggest shadow or the most yeah, shadow. Shadows definitely. Uh, and and talking about not setting up where it's pretty um, I remember you actually killed the bird at my camp a couple of years ago, and, and we had the turkey coming, and we had to sit down. I mean, it was it was that late morning hunt. Um, I'm trying to think of which one. And you'll you'll know when I get right. to it. And we were around listening for birds, and one gobbled, and we had to sit down. And the the only place to sit down, it wasn't pretty. We sat in about four inches of water. Mm-hmm. It wasn't uh. It wasn't sitting out somewhere clean or anything like that. We sat down in the darkest spot where we positioned ourselves best, and we were actually sitting in about four inches of water, and we were soaked. Um, so, yeah, it's the road deal and the and trying to find the darkest shadow or the biggest shadow is, where it, is how I try to position myself. And and anytime you're – I'm just thinking back to – been edited and rereading this. I'll spill a little bit of it. But, um, but like, if you're – you want to get about – four I say four trees but I'm really mean like eight feet if that makes any sense 
like eight eight to ten feet maybe into the the opposite side of the the uh, a clearing area if that makes any sense just to keep you with uh, with some cover in front of you I, I, I remember when I was younger, I've done it too. I still do it every now and then. I want to sit down on the edge of something and, and kind of have to think, well, if he doesn't come from this exact way, I think he might come. I mean, he's going to see me. And I, I know I've, I've busted a turkey a time or two doing that, kind of zoning in on this is this is where I need to get. So I try to think of, you know, use, keep my options open if that makes any sense. Kind of get to where you can do a little swiveling and stuff if you need to, if you need to move down, move up. Um... Well, that's kind of where my the what I was talking about the shadow deal. If you find the 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 area you want to set up, if you find the biggest shadow, it gives you a little more yeah. room to rover from side to side or make a twist around on the tree mm-hmm. or however. <coughs> Obviously, if you're in the sun, it's going to be yeah. Every move you make, they're going to mm-hmm. be able to see. I, I tell you one thing, I do watch for is a shady spot on the sunny side of a tree. I don't know about that. <laughs> don't know. No. Okay, so like if if a the the trees above you if it's oh, early, yeah, yeah, if it's yeah, yeah. early on in the morning uh-huh. the trees so because that turkey's gonna i think they're gonna walk with the sun at their back so they can see a lot mm-hmm. you know more in there so if the sun's at their back you, you would obviously need to be in the you side mean. the sun's mm-hmm. in so therefore you would need like a canopy cover and creating the shadow you sit in that's right. that'd be the, t- the difficult part you don't need to circle around and get to where trees are creating the shadow at your back. Because he'll be because the other way. he won't walk that way near about as, as easy. That's a good point. Yeah, um, and, that's, and that's kind of, I'm which with you on if, that. If he circles you, you know, you've got the sun's, you've got shade from from in front of and behind yeah. you. I actually do look look at that that's a, a good bit. So get in the shadows, but not necessarily the shadow of the of tree. Of the tree. Yeah. Because if you did that on some occasions, if because we we noted on here before that they if you're indifferent, pick the west side because they're going to travel and, west. And, and I've actually had to scoot out from the tree trunk to stay in shadows before. Really? Um, cause I'll be sitting on like a white a light colored mm-hmm. tree, and uh, as the morning went on, the sun got higher. That that limb that I was sitting yeah. under or something, the shadow moved away from the gap of the tree. But, uh, you know, if that turkey came from the straight way he was, if mm-hmm. he came straight in, I still had the backdrop of that tree, but I was sitting, you know, a foot, two mm-hmm. feet off the tree. If he came to the side, yeah, I may have been messed up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as long as he came straight in like he was gobbling, I was in the right. shadow. And that's another and thing okay. of making sure you get on a... I see this every now and then. People, and I've done it, um, sitting on like a... A little eight-inch sapling, and I'm thinking, well, Probably the, the middle part of he's real camouflage, but the but the the arms and legs sticking out, they're not that camouflage. You know, you got to make sure you get a good a good backdrop of a tree, and um, it's one of those things. Sometimes you got to sit down wherever you can. Sometimes I'll sit down. I use a knoll. Uh, when you and I and Gary went hunting, we were laying our on our bellies behind a, a little dirt knoll, um, and I think I that's perfect. I mean, you're yeah. you're literally concealed all the way, you know. Um, especially we didn't. Uh, Gary was shooting, so he was across the road. It was per. I mean, it was perfect. He was in this little patch of just uh, just junk and some little bushes and stuff. Um, so he was he was solid, and that turkey was in a in a cutover, and 
Shoot, Seals and I laid down behind this where where one of them dozers had pushed up some some dirt, and I think I mean I, he ended up coming out. I don't know. It was a pretty long shot for him, but it, it ended up working out perfectly. Yeah, but touching what Chase said, a lot of people talking about the shadows and having to move out. A lot of times when you're hunting, sitting on the tree is not necessarily your best camouflage. Yeah. If you can, I mean, like he said, if you have to scoot out and stay in that shadow, you want to make sure you still have the backdrop to break you mm-hmm. up, but you may be more hidden, easing out with that shadow. Now, you obviously don't and, want to start at 8 o'clock that morning and easing out with that shadow till lunch. Right, <laughs> right. No, but you'll be, yeah. That's just, it just may call for a 10-yard move, 10, 12-yard mm-hmm. move to a different tree. Um and it may not necessarily be sitting straight up, sitting there. I, I, I may oh, yeah. go to the belly, you know, go lay lay down, you know, if if I have to. Mm-hmm. If I'm confident in killing that turkey and don't need to move, that's that's I'm, I'm a sitter, you know. I sit in one spot as long as mm-hmm. I can. Uh, you know, we, a, we've touched on that before. I kind of lean on it, thinking I've still got my feet under me just in yeah, case. Yeah, you you can jump around. Mm-hmm. I, I want to stay right where I was calling. If I mm-hmm. as long as I can. As long as I feel comfortable doing it, mm-hmm. and it, it's worked several times. And a, a, another thing on setup, I, I think that's been the, mm-hmm. the main question is, is setting up on on a goblin turkey. Um, thing where where I have messed up time and time again is uh, if if you're hunting in, in ridge country, mm-hmm. you know you, you don't ever want to be at the bottom of a ridge for sure. Right. But I have tried to get on the crest where I could have the crest of the ridge in gun range and be too far away from it Mm -hmm. and think I was good or think I, you know, couldn't push any closer Mm -hmm. to the turkeys or something like that. And sure enough, have them hang up out there and I never see them. So you're saying you, you were too far from too far down having to look up and then once, you know, they're not going to come down the ridge. I I felt as if I was, sitting mm-hmm. facing the sky you know yep. i was leaning back a little bit too far and that's and, uh, that's that's something that's a, and that was and the, and the specific hunt i'm talking about i'm thinking about was with zach a year or two ago mm-hmm. turkeys were up a right up we ran into some turkeys kind of late morning right up a four-wheeler trail 150 yards mm-hmm. in a little little small food plot and we were just walking and calling Kind of had to hit the deck quick, yeah. you know, set up fast. But I was like, those birds are going to run down this four-wheeler trail around that bend right there, mm-hmm. 30 yards from us, no problem. And they walked through the, you know, through the woods, up this ridge, and it was a small little dip in that ridge just where some water had ran mm-hmm. at one point in time or, you know, a one small little ditch about 20, 30 yards from the crest of the ridge and they crested the ridge and came down to that to that you know half a foot or six mm-hmm. inch little dip which was i mean they were 45 50 yards from us but it was just thick cover mm-hmm. and and we made a move and busted the turkeys which after two hours of fooling with yeah. them we i actually rolled to the side to even just tell zach let's move and never heard those turkeys again yeah from that second on, they mm-hmm. saw me 100 percent apparently, and I never could see them. And that, and that happens anytime you kind of gamble like that. But that's a good point you you made about ridge birds. On a, a kind of a rule of thumb I use is, is is they would if they were indifferent. I think and people argue both ways, but 
I think they're going to walk up a ridge quicker than walk down a ridge. Um, if you can get in, in, in line with them on that ridge, if they're on the side of a ridge, that's your best bet is to get them just to walk the way they are, I think. Um, I, I almost want to go against you there a little bit. No. I mean, this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. If he's on one side or the other of a ridge and I have the choice, I'm going to get on the other side of the ridge or yep. on him about the same distance from the crest he is. If he is on the so other side. So if he's 30 yards on the left side of the crest, mm-hmm. I want to be 30, 40 yards on the right side of the right. crest. So he can travel his way up towards me on the other side and feel safe. Mm-hmm. Because that's obviously where he's feeling safe. And then that's when he's going to walk six steps and peek over. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, that's Usually what shoot I'm him on top of the... And shoot yeah. him on the crest. Yeah. Yeah, I think... And I, 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 what I was kind of meaning was if there's a bird on the on the side of a ridge, don't don't pick the bottom part. Right. You know, because okay. it's, okay. it's hard. You know, they don't want to walk downhill to all of a sudden see a guy sitting on a tree and have to turn around and run uphill and try to fly... At an angle that is steeper than the, the elevation rate, you got to right. fly twice as fast. Whereas if they were to walk up the ridge, they could turn around, just kind of and be gone. hop off, and, and their the declination and the land is going to separate their bodies from from the danger that's at the top of the ridge. Right. Um. So that's kind of the the rule of thumb there. But if I can get in line with them, and I that the bird that that we hunted in Tennessee and what's it called calf killer calf killer calf killer yeah. Tennessee. Uh, you and Gary were on one side of the property, and I took off solo on this mountain and had no uh, no GPS, no service, no nothing. And I was like, I just got to get to the top of that. And it's the exact same scenario as on the, except this was just a really big ridge right. in my mind. What that bird was, I did exactly what you said. I got about you know midway point on the other side of it, and we're gonna call him back over there. Now I'm, I may need to bump back on that. I don't try to be in line on each on the opposite side of the ridge i don't try to walk that ridge down till i'm next to him yeah okay yeah I know. Him. yeah yeah i don't want I know him, yeah I, I i want him you know 100 yards down yeah the, down the ridge or you want to try to call him to you you want him to walk around I'll, the top of the ridge then peek over right i want yeah. him to walk down the ridge on the opposite side i'm on then come mm-hmm. to the crest and look over that's kind of yeah that's that's what i'm into and in all honesty by the end of it the less time i can see a turkey before i kill him the better you <laughs> <laughs> know what you mean because yeah. <laughs> um, that means he's he's in range mm, to that's me a, that's how it happened to me this past year the one that i killed when he stepped over the ridge you didn't you didn't have time to get your heart beat up you didn't have it's a safe to kill. Yeah, it's definitely fun, but if you I, get the adrenaline afterwards, my my heart gets going. I, a when I get out of the truck, but it really gets going is when they get quiet and even they're moving away mind. and just the the suspense of not knowing. I'm thinking that this could be anything, um, but you gotta. That's when you, even even if you do have a sense of urgency, that's when you gotta calm it. And just do your silent part too, and. Um, match their temp and setups are huge i mean as as much as little thought goes into them when you're there they most every time i kind of which i have a rule of thumb if it, if it works out there's nothing i'd change but if it don't work out i can think of i immediately start thinking of things i should have done differently and i think it always relates back to if i would not have done what i did you know when it comes to setting up 
Um, if I'd have, if I'd have picked my first option, I, I think I would have killed him. But hindsight's twenty twenty on that. Um, and a lot of times, if you spook a bird, it's because they see you, and there's a reason Absolutely. they saw you. So you know, there's always room for improvement. There's always they're, they're always sitting there teaching you about that that particular that and calling to me, but among and reassure you rather than teach you. That may be why I sit so much because if I in my yeah. in my head, if I got to get up and go move again that's not my first option and I stick with my first option yeah. you know I, I trust my gut way too much on setup mm-hmm. um the first go around I, and that that may that's lost me several birds I'm sure yeah. just because I won't get up and go mm-hmm. to them but that's that's just me trusting my gut of of, of initial setup mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I can find a setup similar to the you know just if being, I think I'm in the perfect spot for that bird I you know I want to stay there yeah and that's the difference, and, and neither neither way of going about it is better than the other. They're just different. You know, I, I'm a plan A, B, C, and I usually kill them on plan G. And okay. Chase is just focused on being good at plan A, you know. And it, you, you kill a couple when you do get up and move around, kind of like I do, and, and reposition. And then you do, and you bump something, you kind of start second-guessing yourself. Maybe, you know, maybe I should, I should cool it on it. But it's you know it's the same thing. You have a few birds reassure you. You're, you want to do it some more, and you bump a few, and you kind of want to tug on the reins a little bit. Well, moving into the uh, the last question we got, um, how much should you call to a turkey on the roost if he's? There's gonna be two answers. One, if he's gobbling at you constant. Two, if he's gobbled at you to to where you know he's there, and then kind of shuts up. My constant, I'm, I'd say, but he gobbled twice at me. And if he just keeps gobbling, he probably ain't at me. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, but if he, if, if you're sitting there yelp, tree yelping, yeah, and he's gobbling at you every time, versus if you know mm-hmm. he gobbles at you twice and then he just on a slow morning, like on right. a low temp morning, right? Um, and um, and and for reference, I guess it's a good time to say anybody that is unaware of turkey temps. When we say turkey temps, it's a term that gets thrown around every now and then, just kind of referring to the temperature of the bird on that particular morning. And and it's not a, a statewide temp. It is a this bird's temp on this morning as of now, and it can change whenever. And then that that's where you have to, you know, use your sense of adaptability to match his temp again at nine o'clock as you did it, you know, while he was on the roost. Um, if he if he's up there and he's he's not gobbling much, you know I'd say you gobble four times and you're thinking it's about time to fly down. That would depend. Sometimes I would use that to like a cut or something. You know, not a. I'm not talking about. I would I would get to calling. I mean just something a spark more than a, a fire. If that makes any sense, just to kind of see if it'll it'll kind of you know really draw his attention there because I feel like if he's not gobbling much, there's other birds that aren't you know. There's something with the barometric pressure kind of keeping everything low. The volume of the call might be loud or, you know, just something quick, but the, the overall amount's going to be low. Now, would that be considered more of a, a turkey shot gobbling at you versus, Kinda. versus, you know, answering your call? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that, that, that's where I'm taking that. You know, that's where I'm get what I'm getting off of that. Yeah, and that would be kind of what I was kind of talking about earlier creating the 
fire under them, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Sometimes he sometimes, gobbles at it and then realizes, oh, heck, I'm gobbling it. Well, I'm, I'm a firm believer. Some people don't believe it, but I'm a firm believer. You can make them fired up. Absolutely. You know, so I, I, if things are slow, you match your tent when it comes to amount of calling. But if it's a 15 seconds worth of kind of cutting up and especially because someone there, you just cut back and forth at each other. I'm not talking about getting an all-out fighting bird hitting each other with your fly-down wing. I mean, like, <laughs> a cut at each other twice, you know, just to create a, some kind of scenario. And um, and just to kind of get him, if he, he might gobble twice then, he's gobbled twice in the past 30 minutes, you know, that don't mean keep going, try to get him just, right. you know, reel him on in. Just, you know, put a little spark there and, um, and shoot. You can sit there and be silent, and that'll just, you know, kind of get him in his own head. He'll gobble a couple more times and kind of base your next move off of that. But if he's sitting there hammering on the limb and I'm telling you, I know the answer to this. And um, the first thing that comes to my mind is a bird I got on this season. <laughs> and I did it and I got really close to him. <laughs> and I called to him anyway, <laughs> just to kind of see. <laughs> and I sat there. I'd actually, I had told my buddy, the night before he had the same kind of scenario and I didn't know this was going to happen but he had, he called me up and and kind of gave me a, a, a spill of what he and his buddy they live in Oxford um what they had been kind of going through the past two or three mornings with this one bird and um the advice I, I think I gave him was you know if he answers you one time don't call anymore period you know do not touch the call He's going to expect you to walk under him and you're not going to be able to because you're not a turkey. But um, I think they killed that bird that morning by doing exactly that. And that same morning, I set up about 45 yards from one that was on absolute fire. And what happened was, was out, this was in the back of my mind when you were saying, if you're sitting in an uncomfortable spot, you're in a mm -hmm. good spot. Mm -hmm. I was in a really uncomfortable spot. I'm talking some of the steepest elevation I've ever tried to sit on. I think I, I was able to find a root to kind of prop my foot on to kind of hold myself up, but it was that steep. And um, it was it was real dark, and I, I was way too close to him. I did not know he was there when he gobbled. Um, it was just one of those things where I did not think that, you know, there would be one that close to where. I was, I was planning on hooting there, and he gobbled on his own. He actually gobbled, but mine dying probably 30 yards from me. But it was... It was, I mean, with his first gobble, I was right on the side of this. It was just a raised ridge where this, you know, road went down. I was able to get on the other side of it immediately. If it would have been 10 minutes later before he gobbled, I mean, after that, when he gobbled, I think he would have been able to see me. And I, if I would have been on the other side, I'd have been screwed either way. I was able to get on this side of the ridge, walk down, and still I should have just kept walking. I, I, I still got, I'd say, 45 yards and set up. And what I thought was the terrain was not, and, um, I mean, I knew from as soon as I could start seeing the, the floor of the woods that I was, I screwed up pretty much. Um, but I wound up using it as a, like, not an experiment. I wanted to kill the turkey, but I knew I wouldn't be able to sit there that much longer. And I'd pick about the worst spot for him to fly down. And I got to call him to him. Uh, he, he answered about two times and then I let it rest for about 10 minutes. And he just kept, he was on fire. And then I said, you know what, I'm about to start sliding down this hill if I don't hurry up. Just maybe I can get him going. I didn't want to do a fly down or something because I knew he could probably see the ground that I'm sitting on. Um, I'm just propping myself up on this ridge trying to keep him sliding down. And I got to, 
I got to do cutting at him, all that good stuff, and next thing you know, it's 11.30. I still don't know if he's flown down to this day, but um, verify that notion of do not call to a fired up bird on limb because he's going to sit there and wait until at least 11 o'clock. I don't know how long he would have sat there and waited if I wouldn't have eventually started sliding down the ridge, but I wouldn't advise ever doing that. Um. I'm just going to play a scenario that happened to me about three years ago at, at that farm in, in learning. learning. Um, we uh, we actually roosted some birds the night before. That may be a topic we want to touch on one day, um, mm-hmm. roost, roosting turkeys. Um, but uh, we, we roosted some turkeys, and this was a, a good friend of mine, a girl actually. She said uh, she wanted to go with me. Mm-hmm. So I said, look, you know, I know you got some land behind your house. Let's go check it out and just see if I can roost a bird just so I'll know if there's a turkey in that place. I I mean, it was either that or go to to my deer camp. And um, I'm always down for a new spot. You kill her birds. Right, yeah. So uh, so anyways, we pull around there and and one of the the rangers or whatever and and walk towards the back pasture and... uh, I hear one gobble by himself, and I said, you know, that was good enough for me. I said, okay, we got a turkey to hunt. I said, let's just sit here and wait for a minute. And uh, about 13 birds, 14 birds cranked up in one spot. And there was one lone turkey on the back corner of that place, gobbling, gobbled about three times. And I told her, or she was, she kind of got excited. It was the first time she really, you know, heard them mm-hmm. gobbling good and stuff, and um, she said, "Yeah, we got plenty down there on that that end of the field. We'll, we'll, we, you, you want to get on those, Chase?" And I said, "No, I'm gonna get on that one." Anyways, next morning that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Spooked some deer under him. You know, it's in the dark. We we I ended up having to cut across the field, set up on the multiple turkeys because I pretty much assumed it was one or two things and this is kind of getting on the roosting side of it more than mm-hmm. than this was either that was a one lone jake that's been getting his tail whooped by you know some these this group of bigger turkeys just with the hens or vice versa that's a bunch of jakes with the hens and that's an old turkey by mm-hmm. himself over there and anyway set up on the on the group of what ended up being Jake's the next morning, you could tell a lot more with their gobble after they'd been sleeping, I guess, all night or whatever, not gobbling a ton. A lot more choppy gobbles in there than anything. Mm, yeah. and they would not respond to me for anything. And about mm. 7 8 o'clock, that one long turkey gobbled at anything and everything that moved. And instead of me sitting there calling to him, mm-hmm. we got up and moved. Got to where we needed to be. I, ca- I called. He answered five times. And that, that was a four or five-year-old turkey, I'd say. That's a, that's a big That's a nice turkey. turkey. Um, I called him off a ridge, through, through briars, under a barbed wire fence, into this big open wide mm-hmm. cow pasture. And the fence was probably 100 yards from me. And killed him at like 42 steps mm-hmm. and there was a ditch in the middle of that field oh, there yeah. was water in that field i mean i that turkey was just two calls and he was yeah. right off the limb and i i went back in there 
two or three weeks later just to kind of relook at everything because mm-hmm. I mean I'd only seen that pasture that night before and I, I was standing where that turkey was where I shot that turkey at and I could see every bit of ground from where he was got originally gobbling from he could see that whole field and everything mm-hmm. and for him to come off of that just based off two or three calls that he responded to and me shutting up yeah. that proved to me which may have hit more on a topic we hit or a question we hit earlier. Nice. But that turkey was never fired up on the roost. But once he decided to get fired up, mm-hmm. and he stayed on the roost late. Two calls yeah. is all it took. He wouldn't respond to me early in the morning, but he was stay. It was cloudy. He stayed mm-hmm. on the. He stayed on the limb long. Um, and he might be one of those that, you know, if he could see that field, he's what. He's waiting on... Waiting to make sure those jakes didn't come over there yeah. or something. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. He was waiting to make sure the jakes weren't with the the, the one... Lo- mm-hmm. He was making sure it was one lone hen that can't got away from the big group of turkeys. And, and if he, he could, just, if he he could see that field, it. he was probably waiting to you know, visually to see. see before he just you know flew down and either... Or he just kind of laid back and said, I'm going to let them pass through and kind of then I'll get to hammering. Um, but with you being alone, and I'm assuming you're kind of in the woods on the other side maybe. Um... It was a couple trees with some little fingers of hills in that. But pasture. he had to kind of walk across the hill to get he, to you. Yeah, he had yeah. to. He couldn't see right over that knoll mm-hmm. that I was set on. I was set on a little. I mean, it, so, I could, yeah. I could, he couldn't see it from where he was mm-hmm. at. It was it was a few trees and and some structure that he, he knew he better go on and get towards you. Get, yeah, forty fifty yards, and then he should be able to see down mm-hmm. in there where I was at. And he just luckily didn't see us. Yeah. Hey, I mean, you, I mean, it's one of those things. There's a lot of times I'm, I don't know how they didn't, and then sometimes, I, as many times as I think, how in the world did they see us? And, I, I mean, I'm in a daggum. And in all honesty, I, we were in some pretty open stuff. Yeah. If you'd have been calling, where would his eyes would have been? Been in your direction, Looking exactly. Not, out you know, yeah. When you're silent, that's another. That's an advantage you give yourself over the bird. The fact that they're they're look, they're actively looking, yes, but they don't know where to look. You know. That, if you tell them what corner you're in, they're gonna be looking at the corner. If they just know you're on this side of the field, they're they're all over the place. And they're they're looking for a turkey, not a something odd. That that one turkey hunt stands out in my mind. Probably is one of my favorites because it it hit so many different. Yeah. I guess answered so many different questions that I had mm-hmm. in one one hunt. And it just, just made a little sense. It made sense at the end of it, but it also blew my mind while it was happening. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about not not giving them <clears throat> your exact corner that's how I am if I have a turkey that I know for a fact is responding to me the, once I hear a turkey gobble I set up on him if I know that turkey is answering my tree ups and I'm about three or four and I'm done mm-hmm. I'm letting him right. go because like you said earlier you don't want him to sit in the tree and expect you to walk up under him but I'm also I also agree with you too if you have a turkey that the temp's low on the mm-hmm. turkey. You almost have to try to fire him up, or either. From what I've seen, if you don't get him fired up, want to come see what what's going yeah. on, he's gonna walk on his where he had, where he his wants path. to go. Right he, where. So there's really. Yeah, yeah. and and I and and in a scenario like that, I'd say, if he was you know quiet on the limb, I, and I'm not gonna call to him much regardless. Besides that one time, and I'll never do it again. I promise. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm especially not gonna call it a one that's cold. But I'm gonna wait till he flies. I'm gonna be really, really, really listening hard 
to hear to hear his wings flap because if he's if he's not gobbling much, he might gobble a couple times on the ground, but he might, you know, go seventy five yards before he decides to. I think they'll fly down. Um, they'll sit there for I say three minutes and they just look around and they you know a lot of them will, will hit one gobble as soon as they hit you know within that first three minutes to kind of announce where they are right tell the hens to come on. Um, some of them won't, but but if I can hear his wings, then I then I'll. I'll give it about 30 seconds and I'll do a fly down or something. And, and that's one of those things that you can kind of get a, there's kind of a loophole in that whole matching their temp when, when, when a turkey flies down or something and they'll cackle or something. That's not, you're not going against any rules of thumb there. That's just kind of natural noises. And, and you know, just cause they're not yelping much and cutting up at each other and gobbling their heads off. Don't mean their wings don't make noise whenever they, you know, fly down and don't mean they're, Feet don't make noise when they scratch around and picking for bugs and stuff. And you can you can find other ways to to kind of curate that. I guess a not quite as big of a fire as you would as you got the cutting back and forth at a boss hen, but you can you can still keep yourself in the back of their mind. Um, and and nothing else is going to them. Sometimes you kind of get a process of elimination, kind of get bumped to the front. Mm-hmm. So, and I've 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 had a turkey goblin at me before. Or yeah, I mean I'm I, I would I would second that really and honestly Hunter mm-hmm. um yeah I mean I, if 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 I if I pull up on a place found a roosted bird that's still on the limb he's gobbling normally he, he'll shot gobble at me one time or two times and then I can set up yeah once I get set up tree yelp a time or two if he if he if he answers my tr- first two or three tree yelps mm-hmm. I'm getting quiet until I you know yeah. until I can tell he's he's either has hit the ground. Whether it's it's the the different pitches of his gobbles, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot a lot of times you can, a lot of times people will get up and move whenever a turkeys they set up on a turkey and then he flies down and gobbles and it's so much quieter. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of a lot of people that'll get up and move thinking he flew way mm-hmm. away or that's that turkey hushed and this is a different turkey that's further in there, and really not so that turkey's seventy five yards from them and they just you know it sounded like he was mm-hmm. so much closer the whole time because he was up in the air um but i mean if once i know he's on the ground hit him with a few if he's responsive then that sets the whole tone mm-hmm. for the morning normally of that one turkey and i have i have i'm not gonna say called to the bird mm-hmm. and that's a, a, something that i kind of I, I forget about a lot is that i a lot of times i try to i'm not necessarily one-on-one i'm not i don't know if i call it working the bird mm-hmm. as, as much as I'm acting like a turkey Act like period. A bird. you know yeah. just I'm doing my thing and I ain't even worried about him right and that's I think that's killed a lot of gobblers too and, I, and, and I'm saying that as in I will I will call while I know he's on the roost but I'm a good 130 yards from mm-hmm. him you know mm-hmm. um, if, I, if I'm not able to get closer I'll, I'll cut up you know and, and he, I, you know, he knows like the chances of me walking that far yeah they do it all the time but it's, it's, it's a whole new ball game when you're 130 yards it's as you are at 65 yards from him on the roost. And a lot of times... And you those, can move around. You can move back 20 yards and call then, you know, you're yeah. safe. You know, you're and then he's thinking, well, crap, they're on the ground already, and they're moving the other way, and I've heard two already, and, you know, I better hurry up and fly that direction. And another thing, if, if to answer your tree ups, pay attention to the hens. Oh, yeah. If a hen will, will cut you off a little bit on a tree up, man, hammer some calls to her. Talk with her for a minute. You know, create that. There's multiple turkeys over here. If she's responding to you, 
respond to her kind of with some similar mm-hmm. stuff. Because um, her temperature is what your temperature needs to be because yeah. she's the boss. I'd rather be in the same wavelength of those hands than that with that gobbler. Yeah. Um, you just want to be real. When in doubt, do whatever they're doing. If 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 a person has that that specific question, which I mean, obviously somebody does, mm-hmm. um, something that may could be an, an option to them, you know, just just maybe go in to the area you've heard of turkey the night before, or maybe before season, the week or two before season, if you don't think you're going to bump them, and just go in there and sit, you know, yeah. be silent hear what that boss hen does mm-hmm. and and that's the best learning tool you'll have is 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 sitting there and listen to turkeys do turkey things and not be hunting them okay. in a way mm-hmm. i've i've gotten mad before i think it was either this passage or the one before but i never i didn't get going with the hen the whole season and that's i didn't realize how much i looked forward to that and mac you know killed three turkeys which is mm-hmm. i mean that's the limit of mississippi but it was kind of I don't know. I think I might would rather sacrifice a couple of those to get in. Like, I love going back and forth to him, mocking her and just hearing her and just trying to, I mean, I'm talking literally like I was when I was a kid when I'd go back behind our house and and I'd, you know, get a hen going and I would would just try to mock her, you know, not as much to bring her in, but I'm sitting here trying to, no, she's doing this. Let me see if I can do that. And of course I did not sound like her, but I tried. And I knew what she sounded like. Yeah, you match their sound, and a lot of times that'll tick them off. Yeah, mock oh, yeah. them. So I've, I've killed a lot more. I've, I've killed a lot of gobblers because I've, kill, I've oh, yeah. killed, he, you know, or I've brought in the hen. I got a lot of hens to think. A lot of hens to think would be the right way to put mm-hmm. that for sure. But um, so. and a lot to cuss out. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> more, more, um, more than but, a few. Uh, but no, it's the the turkeys are the best teachers in the woods period if you let them be and that's the hard part for a lot of us is is to not letting them teach you because if you if you don't want to be taught you'll never learn and you got to go in there with that mindset instead of going out of it out of the woods with that mindset thinking you know trying to think back of what did they do and what could i have done if it's a lot easier to pick up on what they're doing as it's happening and then you can react that's how you build your adaptability to each scenario um instead of just living in hindsight you know just kind of observing and trying things uh a way i like to put that is you know i never let a turkey beat me he just teaches me something new every oh, yeah. time as long as you you, you can you, you can go in there and not hear a goblin come out a better woodsman every every single time yeah, that you got to try to it's, it's, it's a, you got to be actively looking for it but i don't know about y'all we're running on a long time yeah, we've been going we want to wrap it up or yeah that's all the questions we've got for this week um Chase quite a few rabbit holes on this. this, this every this episode, around. that's what we created the podcast for is to, is to chase down them and and hopefully get some more questions like that in. That was three questions lasted that long, and yeah. I think we answered nine. But thank you for the three. Yeah. Hey, it's <laughs> half of them weren't even asked. We just decided to. we like them. It brings yeah. back old memories. Oh yeah, but heck yeah, just keep sending them in, and um, we got a lot to cover in these next few weeks. I'm glad y'all. Thank y'all for being here and, and making me do this. I've been wanting to uh, get this book edited and everything, and been kind of stressed about it, trying to get it out as quick as I can. Um, so glad y'all were here to turn into a pretty good one, just going down those rabbit holes. But all right, guys, we'll um, we'll definitely keep y'all updated on on what's kind of in the near future. Um, 
got some got some new apparel coming out uh hopefully very soon might be coming in tomorrow but um we're gonna check it out if everything goes well we'll get it on the website pretty soon looking at the last week in january i'd say is a rough estimate on ballad of a turkey hunter the uh the new book it's gonna be just to touch on it one more time as of now the plan is to have it on amazon we'll have the links and stuff for y'all to get it it's not gonna be an expensive book but um but uh it's gonna it's gonna touch on a lot of different subjects and um i think we'll we'll kind of do a little lead up to it just as we're half the stuff we're waiting on is is, is it getting sent off and, and sent back to us and, and different things like that and having to tweet and change margins and sizes and covers and all that not as fun stuff as it is reading and writing it but um but in the meantime we'll be kind of releasing a few things that that are that are pretty constant and and that we think will help y'all get a better feel for what's uh what's in store with it um but um but that's it that's it unless y'all got anything else uh, to throw in there that's all i got this week about to fall asleep over there no <laughs> that's all for me all right well all right guys keep sending those questions in we look forward to them um and um yeah if you haven't yet give us a review we we definitely appreciate those uh just just any kind of feedback we get we take it and run with it and we look at every one of them listen to every one of them whether it's uh direct messages uh reviews on the on the apple podcast or the itunes podcast or the spotify podcast or, or wherever you choose to listen to um reviews are very much appreciated as it helps kind of get us in front of, of other turkey hunters and stuff like that and and kind of helps us make those connections and get questions in, in different regions of the country and, and not as much down here in the south um which i say that i think our Looking at our stats, our our top state in uh, episode plays or downloads is Washington, Washington State. Some I forget the name of it. I have to look, but it's it's like head and shoulders above second place. Second place, I think, is Georgia. Hmm. Um, then Alabama and a couple Carolinas, and then Mississippi. <laughs> so keep keep doing what you're doing, Washington. Um, all right, that's we're gonna get another rabbit hole. We'll yeah. wrap it up. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you all again for listening to the Spring Laser Podcast.